Warm Weather Fans is brought to you by Liquid IV. With football season rapidly approaching, watching games in person or just hanging out at tailgates is going to be hot. Make sure that you are properly hydrated for the start of the year with three times the electrolytes of other sports drinks in Liquid IV. I personally love the flavors of their drink mixes from all new strawberry lemonade to passion fruit and watermelon. Liquid IV is a leader in staying hydrated. Now get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code WARM at checkout. That's 20% off of anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WARM at liquidiv.com. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Warm Weather Fan Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host, uh, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone, joined once again this week by Georgia State writer for the site, Zeke Palermo, and former Louisiana writer for Underdog Dynasty, Matt Miguez. We we did this on the last episode and it, and the results were very funny. So we're going to keep doing this, and, and I'm sorry to the listeners who don't find this as entertaining as we do, but we we have to do it. It, it just it, it tickles tickles me. Uh, we're we're going to start off. Hold on, I, I'll do the intros first, and then we'll do we'll do the segment. Matt, to start off, how you doing? Um, guys, I'm I'm absolutely just tickled pink over here. Uh. To, to be previewing some college football. Um, look, there's a lot to get into. Uh, week one's always fun. It's always a good time to, to figure out where your team is and, and what they need to work on before conference play gets here. Uh, unfortunately for my Cajuns, their first conference game comes in week two. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, Zeke Palermo sitting there, uh, little baby boy. Zeke, how are you? <laughs> how are you doing? How how excited are you for <laughs> week well, one? I'm a lot less excited when you call me baby boy. I don't love that. Um, and, and while I am tickled for for the season, uh, I'm not quite tickled pink um, as you guys rock the baby in my face. Um, but I'm pumped as well. We've got some uh, some exciting games. Not to spoil our episode too much spoil our episode too much but we've got some really cool opponents um for some of these sunbelt teams this uh in week one and so i'm excited to be able to talk to them and stop the speculation so one thing that i had mentioned that we're going to do from here on out uh is during the season we had typically made picks on the underdog dynasty sunbelt podcast that were against the spread or an over-under or, or something along those lines, I will actually be taking notes on this and keeping track just because I want to know where sort of everybody stands as the season goes along. I feel like I've been pretty solid in years past, and I feel like Vegas is pretty soft on betting, especially in the Sun Belt. Like, I just don't think that that's a big focus for them is setting lines for these games. Um so yeah, once again, I'll be I'll be keeping notes of this, and I can once I get the spreadsheet set up and all, I, I can recite anybody's record. Um, but let's start off here. We talked about we wanted to do another. Where in history was Zeke Palermo at this moment? And Matt brought a topic to the table for this episode, so I would like to 
give the floor to Matt. All right. Um, I'm going to tap into my Spanish heritage by referring to you as Senor Palermo. Um, what can you, and, and to, this one works because today's the anniversary of it and, and I'm not making light of what was a very terrible situation. Uh, but Zeke Palermo, what can you tell me about the day that Hurricane Katrina made landfall in New Orleans? We, uh, we talked about this after the first time we did this segment, uh, just trying to contextualize how old you guys are and how fresh and spry I am and in my physical prime as compared to you fellas. Um, Katrina was what year? You're going to have 2005. to 2005, I would have been four years old. So that's like preschool age. Shout out Miss Debbie. Miss Debbie was dope because I had her for preschool back-to-back years. Uh, she was awesome. Uh, I remember learning about Katrina, um, and as a sports fan, like growing up in the early 2000s, what was very prevalent in everybody's mind was using the Superdome as you know a shelter during that. So kind of by proxy, I, I learned a lot about Hurricane Katrina just because I'm a sports fan growing up in Atlanta. You know, the Saints are right in our backyard. Um, so that, w- that was very top of mind in those, like, 2006, 2007, 2008 years. Um, but I was probably still learning how to, f- like, form conversation. I don't know. I don't know what a four-year-old so, does. So I, I, I commend you on growing up in Atlanta and not being sucked into Falcons fandom. Oh, Falcons um, rise up. Let, let's not get that twisted. Falcons rise up. Okay, okay. You see, you should have just kept your mouth shut. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to know I had the second pick in this year's fantasy football draft. I took Bijan Robinson. I took Bijan. He's listed third on the depth chart. This is the wrong podcast to get into this. He's rushing for 1,000 yards and catching 600 yards. He's going to go crazy. Oh, hey, 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 buddy, buddy, Brian, I, real quick, five words, four words. He's not that good. Tyler Algier, also not that good, rushed for over a thousand yards last year. And Bijan is head and shoulders above Algier. But we can, again, save this for another podcast. All right, let's get on topic here. Um, let's talk about week one. We're Like Matt said, we were so deep in the weeds at this point. Um, let's get back on track. Week one, let's start off with the first game of the Sunbelt season. Zeke, your Georgia State Panthers are hosting the Rhode Island Rams, I guess is the team name. I, I've, I've never looked it up until just this moment. No line on this game. It's an FCS versus G5 game. I know that you probably have a written version of this preview coming out here uh, in the next day or so. What are sort of your expectations? Obviously, I, I think you probably have Georgia State defeating the Rams, but tell, tell me a little bit about you know what you sort of came up with. Um, I mean, first of all, you want to chalk this, right? Because it's FBS, FCS. It, you always want to chalk the FBS team. But as we have said before, and we will say for the next 10, 12 weeks, Right now, Georgia State is a coin flip. 
Darren Granger could show up and put up a stinker and let Rhode Island pull off some magic. Um, they're, they're a good team within the conference uh, or within the context of the FCS. Um, I think they're 23rd in the coaches poll in the preseason um, or after the preseason. But Georgia State should win this game. But the seat is a little warm. There's rumblings of the seat being warm for Sean Elliott. And if his team doesn't take care of this game within the first two, two and a half quarters, I believe, and this is conjecture, I have no source on this. This is my personal opinion. I think that seat gets exponentially hotter within 45 minutes of kickoff if they don't put this to bed very quickly. Matt, I'm I'm unsure if you're aware of Georgia State and their reputation that their fans hold. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Center Park Stadium, former Turner Field, seats 25,000. How many fans do you think are showing up to this game? Would you 10, just like... 10,000. Try way under. Try way under. I mean, I was I was being generous, but I mean, let's <laughs> let let's be real. From and, and look, I, I don't mean to bash Georgia State University here. From their campus standpoint of buying empty buildings downtown and refurbishing them to build their campus, brilliant, great strategy. Buying an abandoned baseball stadium. And turning it into a football stadium? Weird flex, but okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. The finished product looks pretty cool. But in theory, it's like, why? Why? Um, you, you're, you're making it almost impossible for your media to see anything. Um, but, but look, you know, I'm not going to bash the football team. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Um, I, I think Darren Granger finally has it figured out. Um, the, the the question's going to be, what, what does the defense do? Uh, but look, Thursday night's not really going to be much of a test because it's Rhode Island. You're, you're, you should, I mean, I'm not going to say you are, you should roll over them. Um, but yeah, I mean, 10,000 10, or less will, will probably be in attendance. So this a quintessential to me Darren Granger performance is, and you can pick which half that he does this in, is that he stinks it up for two and a half quarters and then he looks great for the last like quarter and a half and then they pull away at the end. Um, I don't think that, yeah, I, I don't foresee this being a huge issue for Georgia State to handle Rhode Island, but, you know, Z talked about the lack of consistency all of that is always in play with Georgia State. You just never know. For some reason, this is so, sort of ingrained in the culture that Sean Elliott has, has sort of introduced. Yeah, just want to jump in. To correct you, Matt, I'll have you know that for home games, Georgia State reports we're talking 12, 14,000. I personally don't buy it. The stadium fits 24, and there's certainly not half. But if we want to be the official you know, very professional podcast we are, we must say that 12,000 people on any given Saturday will be in Center Park. Not true. But that's 
that's what we have to go with. I have to keep my Georgia State folks happy. I'd also like to report that I'm now dating Margot Roby. It, it's not true, but I'd like to report it. I'd like it out there. I'd like everybody to hear. Your, your thought process about reporting is so far-fetched that it's literally breaking my internet connection. You were both frozen. <laughs> it, it's just, I got, I got to keep my Georgia State people happy, man. Go, go All right. Panthers, Let's I guess. Let's move on to game number two. Uh, getting into the Saturday slate at noon Eastern time, we have... Arkansas State traveling to Norman to take on Brent Venables, Oklahoma Sooners. This one does have a betting line. Uh, Zeke and I were sort of discussing this before we went on. Oklahoma is a 36-point favorite over-unders, 58-and-a-half. I'm going to start. Matt, you can jump in after. I'm going to take Arkansas State plus 36. There were a lot of times last year where Oklahoma's offense was not impressing me in the slightest and i don't i was saying this to zeke i said say they get up 42 to 10 late third quarter what's to stop them from pulling every starter and just running the ball three times and punting it for the rest of the game and then it's a 32 point spread and you never you never go over that so so the line doesn't hit if you bet on oklahoma i'm just always Really skeptical of these giant spreads, so I'm going to take Arkansas State plus the, what is it, 36. Two words for you, baby, and and he's probably not going to play, but I'm going to say him anyway. General Booty. Okay, you you want to talk about all-name teams. General Booty. That is, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, look, I mean, Dylan Gabriel is, is a good quarterback. Um, I know they struggled last year. Um, you're really young at the running back spot. You have Marcus Major coming back. And then after that, you know, it's a lot of guys that are kind of up in the air, but look at the end of the day, this is Oklahoma and this is Arkansas state. I'm not here to knock Arkansas State. I will always cheer for the Sun Belt over anybody else. Arkansas State is going to get trashed in this game. Uh, Give me Oklahoma minus 36. I'm going to side with Brian here only because the numbers have my back. Uh, Last season, Oklahoma didn't beat anybody by 36. They had a game against UTEP that they only won by 32. You say only 32, but it's not 36. They beat Kent State by 30, which again, not an insignificant number, but it's not 36. Uh, Arkansas State also didn't lose a game by 36. They played Ohio State in week two and only lost by, again, 33. Only 33 in air quotes, but it's not 36. Oklahoma romps them but give me Arkansas State plus 36. I know this is a Sunbelt podcast, so this is sort of neither here nor there, but while we're, while we're on the, the subject of Oklahoma, I was listening to a podcast with um, Ryan Rosillo and Danny Cannell today, and they were talking about the upcoming season, and they sort of started talking about Oklahoma. Um, Danny Cannell is a big believer in their uh, young, Oklahoma's young quarterback, Jackson Arnold. He thinks that he has... Uh, like Caleb Williams type potential. I don't, I don't really know that I would go that far, but 
um that yeah maybe maybe he gets some run we sort of see a little bit out of him and uh yeah but i i think i think it, arkansas state covers it i i think the other part of this is oklahoma's defense was just so bad last year under venables that like coming from a georgia southern fan that sort of projects them to be the same way i don't think that's something that just gets fixed overnight um so give me i think arkansas state scores enough to keep it within the the 36 um let's get on to the 330 kick uh again another fcs versus group of five game appalachian state is welcoming in the running bulldogs of gardner webb um we're gonna see our uh, appalachian state's new quarterback in burger um again like i said not a not a ton to talk about we i think we all project the mountaineers to absolutely just roll over them but zeke is there something specific that maybe you're looking for in this one uh, I mean, you just took away the the big talking point, which is it's a soft opening for for a new quarterback, um, because in week two, App State has to go out and play North Carolina, which is not going to be easy. Uh, last year's North Carolina App State game was absolutely electric, but I don't think a you know a first time starter is going to be able to handle that kind of game with with as much poise as we saw from Chase Bryce last season. So uh, I just think the biggest thing is. Not a cakewalk. You don't. You know. You don't want to let them have the game or take it half half speed. But having an FCS opponent for a new quarterback, I think, is going to be just the biggest thing you can do for his development is give him that gimme game at the beginning. Matt, one of the things we talked about when we previewed Appalachian State was the fact that the worst possible outcome for the Mountaineers this year is being average because then you can sort of talk yourself into keeping Sean Clark as your coach going into 2024. Whereas if he's terrible, you can him right away and there's not even really a discussion. And if he's great, then great. Last year was an aberration. You just sort of rebound. What do you, what do you think with a new quarterback, the chances are that this may be, and I'm not even projecting this. I'm just asking the question, like, what do you think the chances of that the downslide with Clark starts kind of coming now that he sort of has phased away from the old like Satterfield Drinkwitz recruiting, you know, group that he had? It, it, it depends. Um, and, and I know that that sounds cheap, but look, I mean, Ryan Berger might come out and set the world on fire. And if that's the case, I think App State could win seven, eight games this year. Uh, now, if he if he absolutely craps the bed and is the worst quarterback we've seen since, you know, Shy Wirtz with a broken arm, then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe things get ugly over on the mountain. But I think it's too early to tell right now. But look, you know, you, you've talked about Sean Clark getting away from the Satterfield Drinkwitz style. That's going to hurt App. There's a reason that that was successful. There's a reason that the uh, Coach Moore era was successful. They did the same things. They stuck to their guns. They knew what worked. And they proved it time and time again. Um so look, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I I do agree with Zeke that 
you couldn't ask for a better first game for a redshirt freshman quarterback. Uh, look, you know, get the signals right, get the get the progressions right. This is a perfect opportunity because even if he's bad, App State should still win. Uh, so if there's a game that he's going to be bad, Saturday's the day to do it. And you can always just throw Nate Noel in there to just absolutely wreck if if things don't go all the way to, to plan. Um, you know, one of the one of the maybe like two, three best running backs in the entire conference. So yeah, he's always there as sort of like the nuclear option. Like you can just press the button and be like, let's just detonate this entire team and get out of here with a win. Um so let's move on down the schedule. Six o'clock kick. Georgia Southern is going to welcome in the Citadel. I was telling Zeke before we started recording, I did, I did a little bit of background on the Citadel. Um, typically in years past, they have been in a triple option team as they sort of are a service academy by association a little bit. Uh, they're they're much very much a military school. But according to what I read, they have moved towards a more spread type offense. And I actually think that that's going to be doing them a disservice in this game because if you wanted to take advantage of what was a really soft run defense for Georgia Southern last year, running the triple option would be the perfect way to do it. But lining up in the spread and trying to throw the ball, you know, maybe even try to sort of mimic what Georgia Southern does offensively is honestly kind of, not the best course of action if you're going to try to pull an upset. So I I obviously have Georgia Southern winning this game. I think they're going to score uh, a good bit of points. I think Davis Brin, this is going to be a good sort of coming out party for him um, as an eagle. I think they have a lot of weapons that are returning from last year. So I think Georgia Southern rolls big. I'm not even really sure. Do, do either of you sort of have anything to add? I mean, this is another like just, just roll them up type of game. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and move past this. Uh, you know, another one of these James Madison plays Bucknell, um, which I did not know until just now had a football team. I thought they were a basketball only school. So credit to them for that. Uh, the Dukes again, playing an FCS team, no line. Um, we'll see what Barnett, this is a, this is just like the app state prediction. We'll see what Barnett has. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of pretty good skill players around them. The defense is amazing, as we talked about in our, our preview. Um, again, e- either either one of you have anything to add on this game that maybe I'm uh, an angle I'm not I'm missing. Duke's roll. All right, so let's move on past this one as well. Like I said, not the greatest slate of games, but we're going to go ahead and get to them. Uh... This is going to be another quick in and out one. Uh, Marshall plays the University of Albany, uh, the Great Danes or the Scooby Doo's rather. Um, they will, Rasheen Ali will absolutely run through around over this defense. It is not going. Yeah, Zoinks is right, Matt. That's a that's a good call. Uh, and they're going to be eating their Scooby snacks at about halftime. So I, I don't foresee this one to be all that close either. Um, there's a lot of like quick little layup games. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see if Marshall's passing attack is improved at all. That was a real, 
problem for them offensively last year. Uh, again, either one of you want to chip in. This next one, we have we have actually things to talk about, but do either of you have anything to add to that one? No. All right. So let's move on to this next game, 7 o'clock on NFL Network. Army is going to play UL Monroe. There are actually things at stake, people, stuff to talk about in this game. Army. Jeff Munkin has run a pretty solid program after leaving Georgia Southern to go to Army. Runs that triple option. Has done a done a real, really solid job. We've talked about during our preview Terry Bowden and sort of the mindset that he's brought uh, to the Warhawks. They've had two four and eight seasons, but you know, maybe they can start sort of building some momentum at some point after a couple of recruiting seasons in the books. Army is a 10-point favorite in this game, over-unders 47. I'm going to start, and then I'm going to kick it to Zeke. I'm going to take the under of 47 in this one. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored at all. I think both of these teams are kind of going to struggle to score points. I could totally see this being 17 to seventeen to 9 Army final score. Zeke, I, I like... I like the under as well. I mean, just any team that runs the ball as often as Army does, that leads itself to less plays. Less plays means less touchdowns. It only makes sense that you get the under. Obviously, I say that, and every year Army has two or three games where they just figure out how to shred a team and drops 42 points because, for whatever reason, the defense doesn't know what's coming. Uh, But... Uh, I like this matchup because, again, Brian and I, you were talking about this um, a little bit before the episode. Army every year is playing two or three Sunbelt teams. So this is by no means a Sunbelt team, but someone that we are, the three of us are going to be very familiar with, have been very familiar with over the past couple seasons. And so uh, it's an exciting game with the regards to that. I think Army minus 10 that's a tough call um, because it's hard to picture for the reasons I just mentioned about taking the under. It's hard to picture a world in which Army scores enough points to outscore a team by 10. Um, can I take the push? Can I say Army will win by exactly 10? Brian's shaking his head no. Um, push is it. No, you can't. Like like in Vegas, you pull up the DraftKings app. They're not letting you bet, <laughs> you know, exactly you like You give right me really it. good odds to bet the push. Um, I'll take Army minus 10, but I think out of the games this week, I'll probably be least confident in that one. Okay, yeah. if we're betting on this game in, in Vegas rules, let me put out my pick right now. Give me the Army money line. Can can we do that? Can we take the money line? It it's kind of a cop out because I'm sure they're they're like heavy favorites being a ten point favorite. I, you could, yeah, sure, okay, that works. And then I'll I'll give you an extra one to kind of cover up the fact that I avoided the line. I'll take the under. All right. So Army wins and they score less than forty seven total points. Um, look, you know, we, we talked earlier about Georgia state having an attendance issue. This one's going to have an attendance issue too. I don't know if either one of you have been to Monroe, Louisiana, but, uh, not exactly an enticing place. Um, look, it, it'll be interesting. Like you mentioned, Army's a, uh, a good program. Jeff Munkin's running over there. Uh, they're going to run the option. They're going to run it well. 
Um, and, and I think even with all of Terry Bowden's coaching experience, I think that they're going to struggle to stop it strictly because you don't see it a whole lot. Uh, especially now that Georgia Southern doesn't run the option anymore, you really don't see it a whole lot. Um, so give me Army. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overall, you know, I took the spread or I took the under. I think Army does beat ULM. I just haven't seen enough from ULM the last couple of years to to sort of put them over, you know, what is essentially a, the hole that they're in uh, betting wise. So I'm going to take Army straight up, but then, yeah, give me the under all day. Um, <clears throat> let's get into this another 7 p.m. kickoff. This one's going to be on Big 12 Network and ESPN Plus, the streaming platform. Texas State is going to go into Waco and and play uh, Baylor. Baylor is a 27.5-point favorite over under 60. I, I think I'm going to take Texas State plus 27.5. I... I know that that Baylor likes to run that what they call it the RVO really violent offense or whatnot. Um, that, that's sort of what they've branded it as, but they really struggled last year, and I kind of want to see what Texas State has with the quarterbacks. So I'm going to take Texas State. That's a lot of points, uh, Matt. You were shaking your head, so I want to sort of. So give you the I defended our first game. Uh, saying that 36 was a lot of points. Uh, I think this line is demonstrably lower. What's happening here? What, well, what's happening is it's fewer points, but with what projects to probably be a worse offense. Um, I mean, again, Baylor was not great offensively last year. Uh, they struggled quite a bit, you know, we talked about Texas state in the preview GJ kind and sort of the mentality and, and stuff he's bringing, they bring uh, Matt. Well, you, you can just sort of say yes or no. They bring two uh, sec transfers at quarterback. I mean, I think they're going to score some points. I, I don't totally think they're going to be dead in the water either. Like the other one was just more of a bet against Oklahoma, taking their foot off the gas. This one's a bet on, Texas State scores a couple points and stays within the number, and we're looking at a, a 35-21 final score or something like that. That's sort of my thought process. I I think Baylor is less likely to let up the gas than Oklahoma is, if only because this is an in-state kind of game. I cannot vouch for the Baylor-Texas State rivalry by any means, but I'm willing to bet a lot of those kids went to high school together, if not on the field, at least in the stands, right? You've got your Texas State kids versus your Baylor kids. And I think for that reason, like, you don't let up the gas. Um, we see it in these sorts of games like Auburn, Alabama every year, right? Even State Southern. When you have that kind of game, even if it isn't the world's strongest rivalry, State Tech or Southern Tech, you don't let up because those in-state games mean more. So I like Baylor here against the spread just because why would they let up when they got to win this game by as much as they can? So I'm going to get my pick out of the way. Give me Texas State plus 27 and a half. Um, look, 
we, we talked about it when we did their preview. G.J. Kinney proved an incarnate word that he is an offensive mastermind. He's going to have two SEC quarterbacks that are both athletic as hell. And you have a running back, you have receivers, you've got an offensive line. There may not be a whole lot of defense played in this game, but the scoreboard might break. Um, And look, even before G.J. Kinney was at Texas State, Jake Spavadol proved that when you get into those kind of games, those shootout games, Texas State always finds a way to hang around. So I'm thinking of 45-35 type of game where Texas State's still competing in the fourth quarter. I, yeah, I, I just think when you have two two SEC transfers to choose from at the quarterback position, I just think like the disparity from what I saw from Baylor last year, two years ago they were great. I mean, they won, I believe it. they won the Big 12. Like, you know, they were a great football team last year. They really regressed. So I think uh, I think Texas State scores enough with them to, to keep it close. Um I don't even think it's a matter of letting off the gas. I just think that Texas State might score some points. So, like I said, give me that, give me that pick. Um, the next game up, another seven o'clock kick on ESPN Plus. Uh, not a lot to talk about in this one, but it is the season premiere of the Frank Gore Show, aka the Southern Miss football team. Uh, I, I think we've talked about the fact that the entire team sort of revolves around whether Frank Gore Jr. Um, is just going to carry them to wins, basically, or not. Uh, we'll see if, if, if by golly, the passing game, you know, improves at all. Uh, that's sort of uh, a who knows at this point. They were, they were not good last year. Um, but they run the football, they play pretty good defense. So they're going to run through Alcorn state, uh, who is an HBCU. Not a lot to talk about in this one. I think it's, I think it's pretty open and shut. Um, Let's get to this next one. Uh, just another one you could just absolutely blow through. Seven o'clock kick ESPN plus Troy is going to roll over Stephen F. Austin. We've talked about how good Troy is just going to be in the conference this year. An FCS team like Stephen F. Austin's not, not giving them a game. But in this next one, we have a really good game, at least on paper. We'll see how Tulane looks after what was an amazing season last year, but Eight o'clock kick on ESPNU. South Alabama is traveling to Nolens to take on the Green Wave. Matt, you should be up on this. You know we got a Sun Belt team that we cover against a team that is right there in the heart of New Orleans. Tulane beat USC in, I believe it was the Cotton Bowl last season. Um, so that was a great win for them. They lose Tajay Spears, who was a great running back for them to the draft, but. We'll see who what they look like against a South Alabama team that returns just an incredible amount of talent. So, Matt, with this being sort of, like I said, in your backyard, what do you foresee happening in this? This is easily, easily a top five game in the country this weekend. I mean, you were talking about two teams that are incredibly well coached, incredibly well disciplined, both coming off historic seasons. And, oh, yeah, both of them have incredibly dynamic quarterbacks. We've talked about Carter Bradley and, you know, what he was able to do last year. And, and you can only 
reasonably expect that it's going to be even better in, in 2023. And then Michael Pratt, you know, had a, had a very strong year. He had a lot of weapons around him with guys like Tajay Spears at running back. Uh, you know, Pratt returns. You've got good weapons out on the perimeter. Um, Dante Fleming transferred from the Cajuns over to Tulane. So I, I know that for sure he's got one good receiver that he can play with. Um, look, this is going to be an early test for South. I'm going to take Tulane at home. Uh, and, and I think that it's an incredibly tight ball game. Um, I'm, I'm thinking kind of the 38-31 type of, type of game. Um, but I, I think the environment at Yulman, which by the way, is an incredibly well-done stadium. Tulane played in the Superdome for decades. And one day they realized, hey, we're not filling this place up. We're not filling it up halfway. So they built a stadium on campus that holds 27,000 people, I believe. And it's 75 to 80% full every single Saturday. Uh, it's okay. a great environment, and I think that that's going to benefit them really well. Give me the green wave. According to ESPN, it seats thirty. Maybe they've expanded since they since they first opened it, but that's what it says. Um, I'm going to drop in my pick here, and then we'll throw it to Zeke and see if he's got sort of uh, any last minute thoughts on a pick himself. I'm taking South Alabama plus six and a half. Um, I I think that they win the game outright to be totally honest. Um, so that may be a bold prediction, but again, you return, what was it? 18 starters, nine on each side of the ball. I just think like they were so good last year. And I watched Tulane play that weird game with Southern Miss last year when they were supposed to be so good. And Southern Miss barely moved the ball at all. And they still beat Tulane by three points. So I'm like, they're not, Maybe maybe it was early in the season jitters or whatnot, but they weren't the same. That wasn't the same team I watched beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. That was something else. So I I think that maybe South Alabama catches them, and I think they beat them outright. Zeke, what do you what do you sort of foresee about this game? Uh, I don't have a ton to add. I think in terms of just money line and the spread. Uh, give me Tulane. I think they win by one possession. Make it seven flat. Um, I, I just think this, in terms of what this does for each team for the rest of the season, this is a real Lockhorns battle where these teams are rough. I'm, Matt said it, probably a top five game in the country. It, I can't imagine non-Sunbelt fans are listening to our Sunbelt podcast. But those of you that are, the twos of you that are non-Sunbelt fans, this is the Sunbelt game to watch. Um, I, I think, uh, in terms of moving forward two lanes, 20 ranked 24th, uh, South Alabama received a vote. I might've been a guy from the athletic, he, but they received one vote. Um, and, uh, a win for South Alabama or even a good performance could see both of these teams kind of move up into the late teens. I think if Tulane wins, obviously seeing what other results happen, this sees Tulane move into the 15-16 slot. And even with a loss, South Alabama 0-1, if they give Tulane a really good game, 
could move into that 2025 range. Um, and of course, this is only important if you put any weight into the AP poll, which I'm willing to bet us as fans of smaller schools tend to disagree with. Yeah, there was a there was a stretch for a while where every time a Sunbelt school got ranked, they immediately would lose and just pop right back out. So so we'll see. Like I said, if uh, if South Alabama wins, I think they do vault up into the top 25. And that's at least what I foresee happening. Maybe Tulane has sort of hate to use a pun, but rode the wave after last year and sort of what happened with the. uh yeah, what happened with the Cotton Bowl? Maybe they just keep it going, and and Willie Fritz, former Georgia Southern head coach, has has them rolling over there. So, um, yeah, we'll see we'll see how it happens. But yeah, I, I foresee this being easily the best Sun Belt game of the night. Um, this is one that I'm going to be definitely keeping an eye on because I think Georgia Southern uh, Citadel, which is another game I'll be watching, will be wrapped up pretty in hand pretty quick. Um, so let's get to another game here. Old Dominion is going to travel to Blacksburg and take on Virginia Tech. Last season, up upset Virginia Tech, late blocked field goal attempt, and we thought this might be the start of great things for Old Dominion season. And outside of a victory over Coastal Carolina that nobody could have predicted, it 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 was not. It was pretty much those two games were were their their entire season in a nutshell. So I'm going to start here. I know absolutely nothing about Virginia Tech. Um, they were not good. They have not been good since Frank Beamer has been the head coach. Um, I'm going to take the under again. I, I don't I don't foresee either of these teams lighting the scoreboard up. 47 and a half. I could see this game being a 21 to 14, 21 to 17 final score. I I've not impressed with either of the offenses on paper. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the under in this one as well. Uh, Zeke, what do you are? Sorry, Matt, let me throw it to you. What do you got on this one? So first of all, why are you knocking your former defensive coordinator in, in Brent Pry? What do you have against Brent Pry? He's not a good head coach. It's his second year, man. They, dude, they were so bad last year. Like it, it was one of those things where it was like they they weren't good under uh, Justin Fuente, like, and he didn't leave well, them with hardly anything. Well, but that but that's the issue. Brent Pry walked into the same situation that Billy Napier walked into at Florida. He he had to he had to build a statue out. What what what's the saying? You had to make gourmet out of oh i've got can we can can i say one curse word zeke already dropped an f-bomb earlier yeah uh you gotta make chicken salad after out of chicken shit thank thank you that's that's one of them uh and, and obviously he didn't do that last year but look you know brent pry like i mentioned was a defense coordinator at georgia southern uh back in 2010 um before that, his very one of his very first coaching jobs, he was the defensive coordinator at UL for five years. Um, look, Brent's a good guy. He's a good coach. And I think that it's just going to kind of take some time. Now, am I saying Virginia Tech's going to become 
a world beater and a and an ACC contender? No, I because I, I I don't believe that. Um, but look, Old Dominion will not have the same luck that they had last season. I think what what's the line on this one? Sixteen. Sixteen. Give me Old Dominion plus sixteen, but Virginia Tech wins the game. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I think um, I I don't anticipate an upset like we th- saw last year, especially because uh, I mean this one's at home for Virginia Tech, and that's one of the more hostile environments across the country. I mean, even in the ACC, like that's top two, top three in the ACC in terms of tough fields to go play at. And so I, I going last is putting me at a disadvantage because you all don't leave much to say. But I, I like Matt's take of give me Old Dominion against the spread, but Virginia Tech wins this game for sure. Well, I'm going to be totally honest. I didn't say a whole lot <laughs> like when I was talking about this game. So I was just like, I don't know anything about Virginia Tech. Was not impressed with them last year. Old Dominion wasn't really impressed when when the season ended. Uh, so, you know, what whatever. Uh, let's move on to the second, the final game of the night. Uh, Matt, your Louisiana Raging Cajuns are going to take on Northwestern State, the Demons. Uh, again, this is another one, no betting line because it's an FCS school. Uh, there, Louisiana is going to roll, but do you have any, any sort of things to chime in with? Welcome to the swamp. Not, not the swamp, the swamp. So interesting factoid about Cajun field. The playing surface itself is below sea level. The stadium is not, but the field is. Um, and I, I joke about the sign. When you go down the tunnel, there's a big sign that says, Welcome to the Swamp. And there was an interview with Julian Edelman a, a while back. And Julian Edelman played quarterback at Kent State in college. And he was asked, you know, the most intimidating thing you experienced in college. And he goes, man, we, we, we played a week two game against Louisiana Lafayette. And I can remember walking out of the tunnel or walking out of the locker room and about to go down the tunnel. And they had a sign that said, welcome to the swamp, enter at your own risk. He said, and I don't know why. He said, it just scared the crap out of me. He was like, no, we went out there and we won and we played well. But he was like, that was the most intimidating thing I ever saw in college. And when that interview came out, the Cajuns had gotten rid of the sign. The sign wasn't there anymore. So Billy Napier was was the coach when this interview happened. He immediately went to the athletic and said, reprint that sign. And so it's hanging up above the tunnel again. Uh, but look, I, I'm interested to see how the Cajuns put it together. Ben Wooldridge is going to have another year of starting experience under his belt. Uh, I think the Cajuns have some good young running backs. They're going to have a good young defense. Um, and very similar to the App State situation, I think this is a good game to, to kind of figure out early on where you're at um, and what you need to work on because you take the trip up to Old Dominion next week. Um, there's no line, but yeah, I mean – 
I'm I'm thinking at least a three touchdown victory for the Cajuns. So what you're saying is Billy Napier, once he decided to leave, he just ripped the sign down and took it to Gainesville with him and put it up there. <laughs> I mean, he may have, he, he he may as well have. Uh, <laughs> he took he took everything else. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our final game of the night. 10.30 Eastern time. Coastal Carolina is going to travel to UCLA to play in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Tim Beck, first ever time head coaching at the for, for Coastal Carolina. Um, the line on this one, UCLA is a 14.5 point favorite. Over under is 66. I think UCLA wins the game. I'm going to take the over of 66. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. Um, but 14 and a half is just close enough to to weird me out. But Coastal was sort of shaky on the defensive side of the ball last year. And I think UCLA with Chip Kelly as their head coach is always going to be pretty potent on offense. So I think that they score a combined over 66 points. Um, Zeke, let's throw it to you first. What do you got? Um, for this game, I think that I've got UCLA against the spread. Um, we were talking earlier about the opportunity that, um, some of these easier games present for teams, teams with new head coaches, teams with new coordinators, teams with new quarterbacks, having a softball game can be beneficial for coastal. They still got Grayson McCall. They've got the quarterback locked up, but they got a new head coach in Tim Beck. This is not a cakewalk like an FCS team would be. And it's by no means a game that they're going to get routed. But this is a tough game that Coastal is legitimately going to be into. They're they're going to be in the game for four quarters. I mean, barring our expectations being just absolutely wrong about both of these teams. And I think for the opposite reasons that an FCS game is a really good warm-up for a young quarterback. For a young head coach, this tough but winnable game helps you get the buy-in of your guys, helps you figure out what is working, what isn't working against real teams. And so even though I think that UCLA is going to walk away with this one, this is a game where I hate to, you know, I try to stay away from cliche, but this is a game where even if you lose, you can take some really big positives from if you can get your guys to buy in and you make this a close game, Coastal's going to look scary because their head coach is legit. But UCLA, if, you know, if they trample them, all that's out the window. Matt, you talked about how difficult it's going to be for Tim Beck to coach his, his first ever game in the Rose Bowl. So can I just, can I just pencil you in for UCLA or, or, have you sort of thought about it a little bit more? UCLA wins the game. Um, I will agree with your point, Brian, that they score more than 66. Strictly because both of these teams are going to be great on offense and questionable on defense. Um, And look, I think it's a game where Coastal Carolina's hanging around. I mean, look, South Alabama lost to this UCLA team by one point last year. Um, so there, there's no reason to believe that Coastal can't do the same thing. Uh, but 
look, I think at the end of the day, I think Tim Beck is going to end up out coaching himself. Uh, and, and that kind of goes back to my point of playing in the Rose Bowl for the first time. And there's just a lot of pressure and a lot of, oh crap kind of moments that I think he's, the lights are going to be a little too bright and coastal drops a close one. Uh, but, but they definitely outscore 66 total points. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things is, you know, you talked about South Alabama keeping it close with UCLA last year. I don't think it's even arguable that UCLA had a more talented offense last year than they do now I mean Dorian Thompson Robinson was a great quarterback for them he gets taken I think in the fourth round by the Browns he's now backing up Deshaun Watson and has looked great even in preseason play and then Zach Charbonnet their their running back over there goes in the second round of the Seahawks so they had real NFL talent and could barely edge out the Jaguars so I don't want to say I'm like second guessing myself on the over pick but I just think like it could be close. Like, Grayson McCall, I think, is probably better than Ethan Garbers, who I just looked up as the is the quarterback for UCLA. Never heard of him, but kudos to him for winning the job, and, and we'll see how that all sort of shakes out. Let's go ahead and wrap up here. Um, Matt, would you like to tell the folks... Any any final thoughts on, on week one of college football for the Sunbelt game specifically and tell folks where they can find you on social media? Man, I, I think it's going to be a great week. You know, the South Alabama two-lane game will be a lot of fun. Texas State-Baylor I, I think could be a sneaky game. And then, you know, the one we just talked about, Coastal Carolina and uh, UCLA should be an entertaining game as well. Um, good opportunity for just about every team in the Sunbelt Conference to figure out where they are, uh, which is exactly what you use week one for. Um, you know, you, you spend all camp working on what you think you need to work on, but week one's going to tell you what you have to work on. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing those questions get answered. And uh, as always, you can find me on social media at Matt. Yeah, so um, you hit on the games to watch. There, There's three, two or three that really jump out. Um but I think with all this realignment garbage that's happening, now is when, again, speaking to the one or two non-Sunbelt fans listening to our podcast, now's the time to jump on the bandwagon for the Sunbelt. But before they become, you know, it's going to be them in the American Conference for who, who takes over as the fifth power. And now's the time to jump on the bandwagon. Do it now before the season starts. We glossed over some of these games because – they're, they're gimmies against FCS opponents, but the good games this week are going to be good, and you want to jump on the bandwagon now. I'm on Twitter talking about this and more, uh, at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. Brian, send us home. Yeah, uh, the one thing I was thinking about, too, uh, Zeke, you were talking about the realignment stuff. Um, the one thing, you know, Pac-12 has really fumbled the bag as far as streaming goes. I, I remember reading an article that was like Apple had offered them like a ton of money to stream games or something like that, and they just turned it down. Um, but Coastal Carolina UCLA is going to be on ESPN. I'm just glad it's not being streamed on like 2B TV or some, some other crazy streaming service that nobody has. Um, 
so yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game and everybody will get to watch it, which is a nice change of pace from a lot of the Pac-12 games uh, that we'll see this year. Um, but as always, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. You can follow the show at WarmWeatherFans on Twitter. You can send us emails, comments, questions, whatever, at WarmWeatherFans at gmail.com, that email address. We will be back to talk next week, the recap of these games and then get into week two on warm weather fans the sunbelt podcast 